Welcome. It's been a little bit. Going to do a little live stream in the trenches with Dave Lapham, brought to you by First Star Logistics. As always, in our unbelievable studios that First Star Logistics has for us, and we feel honored to be in a place like this. And if you want to be part of First Star Logistics, I implore you to do so. We're all about team here. It's all about we, us, not I, me. Great, great way to make a living, great company to work for. Explore an opportunity at First Star Logistics, why don't you? It'd be well worth your time. Hopefully, this will be well worth your time. I'm looking forward to it. You guys are very knowledgeable football fans. Always love to hear your points of view. Uh, always ask very, very good questions, very, very astute comments as such. And this football team is on a roll. Capital R, capital O, capital double L, roll time. Six straight wins. One of the reasons why in those six straight wins, the offensive line's given up a total of eight sacks. Offensive line play has been much, much more solid, much, much more in rhythm. They have a good feel for each other. They have a good feel for what's going on, and that allows Joe Burrow and the skilled players to eat to get big numbers, and the offensive line lives vicariously through the success of those skill players. And how about the Bengals' defense? How about Lou Anarumo? He is a second-half genius. <laughs> he had the GOAT confused. On the, on the interception Trey Flowers had, he had the GOAT totally confused. He trimmed the GOAT's ears. I mean, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, became the GOAT of the game. The GOAT had four turnovers. Two interceptions, two lost fumbles. One of them on a simple handoff that squirted out of his hands. I mean, I'm not saying he was rattled, but didn't play well. I've never seen four straight possessions end in a turnover. And the one prior to that, the first one to start the second half, was a miscue on the punt team. And Darren Simmons missed a detail. During pregame warm sees Giovanni Bernard as their personal protector on the punt team. He's like, Gio hasn't done that all year. This is the first game Giovanni Bernard's the personal protector. He tells his punt team, watch out. They got something cooking with Gio back there as personal protector, running back with the Bengals and with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he had his guys zeroed in. Chris Evans, Mike Thomas, zeroed in. Gio calls off the fake punt, but everybody else ran it. Center snaps it to Gio. Gio's not ready for it. Fumble. Everybody blocked because it was fourth down and less than a yard, but they were backed up. Gio get out of it, checked out of it. Nobody else heard that. Everybody blocks for the fake. The punter fakes like he got a bad snap. Everybody's going through the fake except Gio. Gio's waiting for the punt. The ball ricochets off his hands and his helmet. That was the first takeaway. And it, it goes on a loss of downs because it was fourth down. And the drive did not end with a kick. They didn't punt it. They didn't kick an extra point or a field goal. So they got a fourth down stop on that one. And then four straight turnovers by the GOAT. Two interceptions, two fumbles. Unbelievable game. Three games in the National Football League last week. Teams came from behind by 17 points or more. The Bengals were one of them. How about a 33-point deficit? Biggest deficit in NFL history is overcome. Wow. 
Indianapolis Colts. Frank Reich had the biggest come from behind victory in in pro football history by with 32 points when he was quarterbacking the Buffalo Bills and uh, with Jim Kelly as the primary and, and Frank Reich was the backup had the big come from behind win. The football god said, "Colts, you fire Frank Reich, maybe unnecessarily. You're going to suffer." They have a 33 point lead, <laughs> and the team that he coached gets beaten with that 33-point lead. So I guess the football god said there will be justice served here. But we digress. But there were only two games in the NFL last week that were decided by double-digit points. The Bengals were one of them. Uh, The 12-point victory on Monday Night Football by Green Bay and the Bengals' 11-point victory um, over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Every other game was decided by a touchdown or less. The National Football League is where it's at. It is made TV and radio and other forms of uh, communication like this right here. It is appointment, viewing, listening, reacting, commenting. It's big time. There's no doubt about it. And uh, we want to get your comments and thoughts about the Bengals, the NFL, whatever's on your mind. So we want you to, uh, if you haven't, uh, been part of this hit the like button um to be to be to to subscribe be part of this we'll get it going how about if we started off dave with uh well we gotta start yash we gotta start with yash yeah yash is always with england us our live stream so first he had a comment yeah he was who day from london for Mm -hmm. the first time in a long time i have felt chills about our team I see Brady comparisons, and Burrow is better than Brady was in his first five years. A ring and MVP would assure it. Yeah, Brady got a ring pretty quickly. (laughs) And honestly, the comparisons, Bill Belichick did not let Brady do anything. Bill Belichick in the early years of Brady's career said, son, do not screw this up. We have a great defense. Do not screw this up offensively. He did not ask Tom Brady to do much. The Bengals, on the other hand, realized the talent that Joe Burrow has. Tom Brady was the last pick in the sixth round who fought and scratched and clawed to make the football team. And uh, and then the story is storybook thereafter. Joe Burrow came into the league as the first pick in the draft. The Bengals knew that Joe Burrow was a hell of a player from Jump Street, and they are asking him to do a hell of a lot more than uh, Bill Belichick asked, asked Tom Brady to do. And the era of football is so different as well. After all, Tom Brady's been in the league 23 years. That's just mind-boggling. But I'm getting chills about this football team as well. Six in a row is hard to do at any level, peewee football included, to do it in the National Football League. And they, they're home for their final two games after this encounter in Foxborough against the Patriots. They haven't lost since the opener at home. They haven't lost since the Pittsburgh Steelers fiasco when they turned it over five times at home. And the crowds have been phenomenal. 12th man. I'm getting chills. I'm getting chills thinking about it. Because you got the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football and then the Ravens to finish the season. That'll probably be Sunday Night Football. Who knows? It's going to be crazy down the stretch. This team is operating at a very high level. So, Yash, you're right, man. You are the man. And then Yash follows it up. And I think a question a lot of people are having. Yeah. My question for today is how we'll manage uh, to pay the guys, Pratt, Burrow, Higgins, Chase, et cetera, and you think they'll pick team-friendly deals as we're building something special here? Well, the domino, the lead domino, is Burrow. 
I think they will try to get an extension done with Joe Burrow, probably start in this offseason, and he is the key component. Joe Burrow is going to determine how much of the pie is left. Joe Burrow's piece will be big. <laughs> it's going to be big and well-earned, well-deserved big. No two ways about it. If Joe Burrow decides that he's going to take a little bit of a hometown discount and uh, save a bigger portion of the pie for other players, then we'll see. Um, Joe Burrow, like everything related to this football team, is the kingpin. He's the key. There's no doubt about it. Joe Burrow's contract is going to be massive. And, again, he's earned every, every nickel of it. How much is left for other guys? Will other guys say, you know what? Well, if Joe's going to be here for another decade or more, I might want to try to stay too. Uh, maybe we can work something out. It's going to be, but other other players, they don't really care who the quarterback is. They don't really care who the teammates are. It's like, yep, this is a short-lived window. The average career is only three years. It's not 15 or 20. And a lot of guys want to maximize and get as much as they can in the shortest period of time they can because, as we know, you're at injury risk 100% of the time, 100% of the snaps. And uh, it may not go on for as long as you think. So there's a lot of a lot of things that – a lot of dominoes that are going to fall. But the first domino, the king domino, is Joe Burrow, number nine, no question. Now, we're going to stay in England. John Storr says, who day from Newcastle, England. Nice. Great to hear Lou Anamarumo on the show most weeks. Mm -hmm. and we, we appreciate Lou taking the time out of his busy schedule. People don't realize how busy that man is. Oh, and, not, and Brian Callahan as well. Both of those coordinators exactly. every single week. And unfortunately, this week, we couldn't catch up with either of them because it's a short week. They have a Saturday uh, game instead of Sunday. So Tuesday is normally a day that they can visit with us, but today it's a big work day. Teams practicing on Tuesday normally don't. So game planning was all day Monday right after the game. They started Sunday night as soon as that game ended, all day Monday, and they presented it to the players this morning. So obviously, no Lou Anarumo, no Brian Callahan this week, but totally agree with you, John. Lou Anarumo is special. Because my question for today's show is, does Lou come along for an interview or to pick up some tips from Dave? <laughs> I'll tell you, um, Lou, Lou is, uh, Lou's the real deal. Lou, both Brian Callahan and Lou Anarumo are going to get interviews for head coaching positions. It's going to happen because Bengals offense is top shelf. Brian Callahan is the offensive coordinator. He's been very, very involved with the development of Joe Burrow and the success of Joe Burrow. Um, and it's a quarterback driven league and, and, uh, offense young offensively uh, talented coaches are in high demand. Brian Callahan is going to be in high demand. He's going to get interviews. Lou Anarumo, like we talked about for a while, is going to get interviews. There's no question about it. His second half adjustments have been unbelievable. Uh, let's let's take a look at Trey Flowers' interception as, as one example. The first turnover of the second half, Lou Anarumo comes out, and he puts seven men at the line of scrimmage. He puts four defensive backs in the picket fence right across the field, right next to each other, eight yards deep. So he's giving Tom Brady no intel. He's, okay, Tom, here's seven guys. 
Who's going to pressure you? Who's not going to pressure you? Could be three, could be four, could be five, could be six, could be all seven, Tom, or any combination thereof. Four guys across the field, eight yards deep, he's not giving you any clue about what he's doing from a coverage standpoint. So Tom Brady, no pre-snap read, comes to the line of scrimmage. Hmm? Got nothing. After the snap of the football, he rushes three, drops four into coverage. Logan Wilson and others dropping into a little umbrella coverage. And, and he's got four, the four defensive backs. One safety runs to the middle of the field. He's got one safety deep. So, you know, he's playing zone coverage. And Trey Flowers uh, gives the impression that he's going to run bracket coverage on the outside receiver. He's going to be the underneath coverage guy. Tom Brady reads it that way. And Brate, the tight end, runs an inside route. And he's got the linebacker in a zone, and Brate's open outside that linebacker. Trey Flowers disguises the fact that he's going to come off of that bracket coverage. He's reading Brady's eyes. As soon as Brady starts to deliver the ball to Brate, he comes off of that bracket coverage, breaks on the football, cuts underneath the route, picks it off. Great disguise by Lou Anarumo. Great execution by intelligent football players on his defensive football team. That is an example of what he's doing when they come out after halftime with adjustments that are made. And then he continues to make adjustments to adjustments. The points they've allowed in the second half, third fewest in the National Football League. This team in the second half, they've scored 182 points and they've given up 112. They've outscored the opposition by 22 in the third quarter by 48 in the final quarter, 100 to 52. They are finishing. They are making adjustments. They have a lot on their plate, but they can handle it. The players are saying, more, Lou, more. Give us more. We love it. We can handle it. And Lou's like, okay, I got more. I got more to give you. We're going we're to have a big inventory of stuff we can do, boys, from a coverage standpoint, from a pressure standpoint, and disguising it. You want more? I'll give you more. It's going to be very interesting because you know who else has all that and has had it for years? Bill Belichick. He drafts smart players that can play a lot of different positions and can handle the complexity of his scheme. And he is going to be, it's going to be a chess match between those two defensive coaches. They're not going against each other, but they're trying to checkmate the opposition offenses and which ones are going to make the, the, the better adjustments which ones are going to disguise better. And boy, this, this new England football team is still playing unbelievable football defensively. They have six takeaways that are touchdowns, five defensively, one an 84 yard punt return. They have six touchdowns by non-offensive touchdowns, five by the defense, three interceptions, three pick sixes, two fumble recovery touchdowns and an 84 yard punt return touchdown. What? They've only rushed for 12 touchdowns, thrown 12 touchdowns, and scored six by defense and special teams combined. <laughs> That's Bill Belichick. Don't screw it up, offense. We'll take care of it on defense, and we'll throw special teams in there too. Well, I, t I told you when you when we did the post game thoughts, if you when you saw the ending of that New England Raiders game, you were going to go, "Oh my goodness!" Well, here's here's the 84 yard punt return touchdown. They punted to him in the final play of the game. Why punt it to him? Kick it out of bounds. So the Patriots stole one. They had no right winning. It should have gone into overtime. And then they gave one away. The football gods say, what you giveth, you taketh away. And, and 
that wasn't a Bill Belichick design deal. That was improv by uh, by players. If Myers wasn't the leading receiver on the football team, he'd probably been cut. <laughs> I mean, uh, unbelievable. I mean, it, it's you know, it, it, it's it's crazy. He's got 52 catches on the season. Um, the only other one that has more catches is Stevenson, the running back, than him. But I mean, Stevenson, the two leading receivers, Stevenson's a leading rusher as well. But in terms of catches, Stevenson goes to Myers. Myers, can you? What was Jones going to do if he caught the football? I mean, what the, you got Lyman downfield. What the hell is he going to do? He can't throw it. I mean, he's not going to run the damn thing. I mean, dumb, dumb move. And Bill Belichick's players are not dumb. Bill Belichick's players, he, he, he does not put up with dumb players. I'll tell you for a fact, that's Paul Brown was the same way. Paul Brown wanted smart players. If you were not an intelligent football player, you did not last long with Paul Brown. If you're not an intelligent football player, you don't last long with Bill Belichick. Unbelievable how they gave that bad boy away. I, I would not want to have been on that plane flight from Las Vegas to Foxborough with Bill Belichick, the bear. I mean, I bet he was snapping heads off <laughs> on that flight home. I would not want to have been Stevenson for starting it off and Myers for finishing it. Oh, my goodness. Whew. Yeah, I saw some articles yesterday saying uh, – it's time for Belichick to step away. Yeah, right. Step I think he's going to kind of go on his own terms. Yeah, and, and and deservedly so. I mean, he is still – what he is doing with that defensive football team. I mean, Dave, th this, this New England Patriot team, they have 48 sacks, third most in the National Football League. They're number three in sack per pass attempt. And he brings them – you have to be ready every single down, no matter where you are on the football field, anytime – Anywhere he's bringing something that you haven't seen before. He he is his his he's got 14 interceptions defensively, tied for second most in the NFL. Got 48 sacks, which go hand in hand. Pressure causes interceptions, third most in the NFL. <laughs> They're plus 15 sack ratio, uh, which is in top five in the National Football League. This defensive football team, when you throw tape on, whoo, they give you a lot, and they are playing at a very high level. If you don't hustle defensively for Bill Belichick, and if you're in the wrong place, if you're not in the right place at the right time, you aren't playing. It, the tiebreaker is intelligence. If he has two football players, one might be a little bit better physically, more skill set, but he's a dodo bird, and the other one is not maybe as great physically, but he's always prepared, always know what he's doing. Bill Belichick's going with that dude every single time. And Dave. Uh, the New England Patriots. Judon has 14 and a half sacks, second most in the NFL. Uche has 10 and a half, and he's done it in like seven games. He's tied for 10th. The only team in the NFL that has two sackers with double-digit sacks, the only one. And then they have a guy with six and a half, Wise. The only team in the league that has three players with six and a half or more. The Bengals' leading sacker is Hubbard with six and a half sacks, and he may not – I don't think he's going to go with that calf problem, but, I mean, he – brings it from everywhere. They're getting good pressure out of a three-man rush. Never mind his crazy pressure packages. Bengals O-line in New England with that crowd noise and everything that Belichick does, recognition and being able to communicate it once you see it is going to be big because they're loud there. Communication between offensive linemen to each other, 
offensive lineman to the quarterback, quarterback to the offensive line, quarterback to the receivers and skilled people, all that communication, whether it's verbal, nonverbal, hand signals, a wink, a thumbs up, whatever it is, they have to be on point because that's what Belichick counts on is that frenzy. I mean, I can't hear myself think, and he's going to give you all kinds of different looks, and he's going to do it two different things before the snap, and then after the snap, it's a third thing. That is what Bill Belichick is all about. That's a tough place to play on the road offensively. Next question we've got is, I, I believe it's a chew. A chew. Bless you. And uh, something you've talked about, perhaps a different dynamic. And I had asked in a previous live stream early in the season, how about P. Ryan Mixon on the field at the same time? Maybe not unlike Icky and James Brooks. And with the weather coming up, maybe that's something they can uh, Brian Callahan can pull out. Well, you know, I've I've been talking about it now for a couple of weeks. You know, after Joe came back from the injury, I've been harping on the well, why not put him in the backfield at the same time? And I agree with you, Achoo. <laughs> I mean, it's like one of them has to block. One of them has to be a decent blocker. And you know who is the better blocker with Icky and James Brooks? JB. JB would hit you right in the mouth. James Brooks would take on a three hundred pound defensive tackle. And block him. <laughs> JB was an unbelievable blocker. And he blocked well for Icky. Samaje Pirine would block very well for Joe Mixon. That would be the blocker of that dynamic duo. The thing is, though, in today's football, nickel defenses are the base look. 4-3 defenses are not the base look. So what you're doing, if you go that route, you're taking one of your best weapons off the field to attack nickels. You're taking a receiver off the field, potentially to put an extra running back in there against smaller packages coverage-wise. So you're taking one of your weapons, theoretically. My feeling is you got them outsized. If they're going to go nickel, that's even better. I mean, if you got two backs in the backfield and you can put them, uh, have two tight ends or whatever, or not even two tight ends, they're going to have to load the box up when you have two backs in split uh, backfield formation and a tight end line of scrimmage, or even two backs without a tight end. They're going to have to take care of the box a little bit more. I, I think it creates more opportunity. So I'm for it. I've been I've been banging the banging the drum for that since Jump Street, since Joe came back, uh, and, and for the same reason. I mean, I, I've seen the two back set work very very well. Again, one of them has to be a blocker. You can't have two guys in the backfield together that aren't going to block. Um, and Samaje Pirine will block them running it, and he is as good a pass protector let pick up wise as there is in the league. So, you know, you could all, you could, the, the other thing is both of those guys have detached and been in the slot, the outside receiver in a formation. You get running backs on those guys. They run good routes and catch the football. You get mismatches, running backs, safeties, whatever. Uh, linebackers, I should say on the running backs, safeties, not as good a mismatch in the passing game, obviously, but linebackers, any back should be the linebacker one-on-one. -on -one particularly detached in space like that. So if you can get those kind of things, again, a lot of times they don't go 4-3, though. They'll, they'll base defenses nickel so they can get a defensive back out there, and that's not a favorable matchup. You don't do that then. If they go nickel, hunker down, keep everything between the hash marks, pound them. You have a size advantage. Run the football. You're dictating to them. They're not dictating to you. You're dictating to them. They have to make a determination what they're going to do from a personnel standpoint. You're not saying, oh, they're going nickel. I'm going to sub this in. You're you're going two backs, and you're making them make decisions. I, I, I like it as a little bit of a mix-up. There's 
you can make arguments either way. And the, the, the interesting thing is, all right, well, if you're going to put P. Ryan in there as a, 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 you know, two back with Joe Mixon, you're taking out Tyler Boyd, you're taking out T. Higgins. What receiver are you taking out of there? You're taking out one of the big three at the wide receiver position as a weapon. You're removing them from the football field to put in the second back. Those are the decisions you have to think about, not just at in the back, running back position, but how does that, you know, kind of ripple effect to the rest of the formation and the personnel in that formation? And if you do it, I'm not saying do it all the time. I'm not even saying do it that much, but just every once in a while, mix it up a little bit, give a defensive coordinator more to prepare for and his players more to prepare for. Have it in the arsenal. I would show it. I would show it. So when you're studying tape from the last four games, oh, damn, they put them both in the backfield at the same time. We got to account for that. You're taking practice time away from them to prepare for that. That's what you're trying to do. That's why Bill Belichick, Lou Anderson, that's why these guys are so hard to prepare for. You don't have enough hours in the week. I mean, to show everything that they do. <laughs> I mean, it's like if you can splinter their preparation, and it's like, oh, my gosh, they do this from 15 different looks. Oh, which one are we going to get? That's the angst that you start to create, and that's that's what it's all about. Dolores, another of our regulars. I'm sure she meant to say who day you all. Yes. <laughs> I just want to know when is the next keys to victory so I can have a brunch and get all fancy with it. <clears throat> and uh, we're glad you watched the keys to victory. And uh, what we try to do with those is release that at least a little bit, about 24 hours before kickoff each week. So this week with a one o'clock kickoff, that will be released probably Friday morning. Okay. That's um, good. Yeah. And, and Dolores, um, I'll have uh, I'll probably order myself some kind of an omelet or something to honor you with uh, your brunch. I'll have to have something at that same time, you know, like a late morning omelet or something like that on Friday prior to the game. I'll, I'll be able to work that out. Maybe get that done in New England. Just uh, order up order up something. I know a couple of places I can go in the New England area to get a nice little brunch myself. Yeah, Michael says, uh, love those who day chants on an opponent's field. Big. And it was it was loud and clear on the television. Big. That was huge. Honestly, as we're busing to the game, I go on the team bus, and I always go on bus one. I like to get there early. I like to get myself set up, set up with things in the locker room for the post-game show, you know, the equipment's all, all that kind of thing, and then do some final preparation, uh, get my flip card, you know, squared away, all that kind of stuff, um, and then go out in the field and see what's happening, who's warming up, what injured player is out there, you know, trying to get something done. And from that standpoint, Mike Hilton had a really, really good workout down in Tampa Bay. He wanted to play. He's He, he is definitely playing against New England. In my mind, there's no question Mike Hilton's going to be able to go. Um, he'll, he'll be an injured guy that, that, is, that is back for this football game. Um, but, yeah, that uh, – it's all – it's all – all very big, all very important. A couple of people with questions. One Nation Underground, do we clinch a playoff spot with a win on Sunday? And then Zach, basically, uh, we can clinch on Thursday if the Jags win. Yeah. I mean, bottom line is, they're, one more victory, I think they clinch no matter what, a playoff spot. And if the Jags win, you know, they want to do it on their own. They want to control their own destiny. And right now, if they go one and all three more times, they're guaranteed a number two seed. 
if they go three and zero, one and zero, three more times, and Kansas City loses one game in the last three weeks, they're the number one seed because they have the tiebreaker with Kansas City. So they're guaranteed if they win every game out, which is no easy task. New England's going to be a tough chore, particularly after the way they lost that football game. Bill Belichick will be grinding them this week, and they're going to come out and play hard. <laughs> it's going to be a very, very tough battle. I'd be surprised if it's not. And then all you have left is uh, Buffalo and Baltimore. So that's not an easy test. But if you do it and Kansas City stumbles, you're the number one seed. If you if you win the remaining three, worst case scenario, the number two seed ain't all bad. You control your own destiny. And this team has already won as many games as they won last year. They've already got their 10th win. They went 10-7 and seven last year. See how many more they can accumulate. See how high a seed they can get. Um, two of the three times the team went to the Super Bowl, they were the number one seed. Super Bowl 16, Super Bowl 23, we were number one seeds. Super Bowl 56, they were number four seed. They were the last the last seed. They had the division winner with the, with the worst one-loss record. Uh, but they won a couple of road games, first time ever in franchise history, road playoff victories, and they got themselves to the Super Bowl. Yeah, one nation on the ground followed it up. If we clinch, do we set our starters the rest of the way? I think there's too much on the line and you have a chance to get that one seat. And still, you want to win that AFC North crown. Yeah, and, and I think I think if you clinch, you clinch a playoff spot, that's all well and good. I don't rest starters if I clinch a playoff spot. No, no way. No way. I mean, you know, you, you, you got to – you don't say, okay, we're in the playoffs. We don't care what seed we are. No. No, I mean, if if they if they beat Buffalo and they're if it's a situation where when they play the Baltimore Ravens, it doesn't. The only way I rest starters is if I can't improve my standing. It's like, all right, I go into the last game of the season, and no matter if I win or lose, I'm going to be the number two seed or I'm going to be the number three seed or whatever. Then I rest them. But if I go into that last game and if we, if we beat the Baltimore Ravens, we move up from a number four seed to a number three seed or a number three seed to a number two seed. Play. Play. I mean, the reason the, the Bengals rested their starters against Cleveland last year, they clinched the division. They weren't going to be any higher seed than a four seed. The other teams had much better records in, in clinching their divisions. They couldn't improve their lot. Rest them because I agree you're at 100% risk, 100% of the players for injury. Well, the best way to prevent injury, don't play players, but you got to play them to get where you want to go. <laughs> the only way you don't play them is if it doesn't matter if you win or lose because you are where you are no matter what. That's when you rest players. Dave, we got to mention – we're always grateful to be at First Star Logistics in our studio. Yes. We got some big news coming up. We can't say it yet. <laughs> we can't show it yet, but it, people are going to love it. We're going to love it. We, we've exciting. seen it. I've seen it. it it's it's going to be exciting. Yes. But we want to, you know, it's been exciting around here for the last two weeks because they're getting ready for the holidays. Yeah. Um, I, I saw someone want a 65-inch TV. I think uh, one of the, the employees got a trip to anywhere they want to go for two. Mm -hmm. Um money i mean i've seen all sorts of things being given away they're like 10 days or 12 days of christmas whatever they call it 
Uh, we're not eligible for it, but uh, it's fun to see these people around here. And it's always great to come in here because everyone's so friendly. We have a great time. We come in. We always love having popcorn ready. That's right. Summertime, we got the slushy machines or the ice cream <laughs> machine. We have a, a cooler full of sodas and water. They take care of us. They do. Uh, th this this particular institution, First Star Logistics, is all about incentivization. And, uh, and they take care of their people. They incentivize you every way you can be. And you can do well financially. And, and, you know, the other thing is you make friends. I mean, it's like any team. You build relationships. Relationships are built on trust and relationships you have for the rest of your life are built on trust. And that's what, that's what goes on here. And um, it's, it's, it's really, it's really a dynamic place. They take care of their people and the people take care of each other. It's, it's we, us, it's not I, me, but everybody does very very well and and it's a it's a tremendous environment it, it really is really is in this time of year the other thing that first our logistics does as well as any company that i know they give back they do it all year this this from a give back standpoint from a charitable standpoint for from a standpoint of taking care of others in the community that aren't as fortunate they are as good as it gets on a year-round basis and then in the holidays it even ratchets up more Big hearts here at First Star Logistics, top to bottom, everybody. Great environment, great dynamic. So, Tali, what was the vibe on the plane ride home? I've had the pleasure of doing our post-game thoughts and hearing some of the commotion when we do that. In the locker room, uh, they didn't seem as celebratory as I would have thought after the game. All business with this team. Yeah, they take care of business, there's no doubt, but... I will tell you, I have to go in there and do a post-game radio uh, show, and the music gets cranked up. When they win football games, you can't hear yourself thinking there. And that music was cranked up. <laughs> so they were enjoying themselves. But honestly, they expected to win that football game. And even though they had to win it in a way that they didn't expect that they had to win it, the fact that they won that football game, I think, um, you know, they, they took care of things that they had to take care of. They took care of business. So um, very, very business-like approach in that regard. There's no question about that. Uh, and expectations are you, you, you go play the way that uh, you practiced all week long, believe in your preparation, uh, believe in uh, the protocols of that preparation, you're going to be fine on game day. And so – to them, it was no surprise that they came back and, and won the football game the way they won it. I think they were more surprised that they found themselves in a 17-point hole and they were losing 17-3 to at halftime. I think that was the, the big surprise to the players. The surprise wasn't that they came back to win the football game. I think they felt like uh, the way they prepared all week and the way that they were they were ready to perform, uh, that uh, that they got the victory. So. That, that, that speaks well of, of what they're about as well. Clouds of seven. Hey, Dave, times two. Hope you guys are warm. Hey, we're warm right now. But we <laughs> no see doubt. this weather report. The weather report for what you're going into. Yeah. Uh, do you think they'll look to sign a DM with Trey and Sam out? It seems like there are some decent guys out there, but it's obviously a process to bring guys in. Yeah, and I think, I think Trey, if Trey's not back this week, Trey will be back the following. It would not shock me if Trey plays this week. It would not stun me if he doesn't but I think that he will be back 
for the final two encounters, Buffalo and Baltimore. I'm not sure with the broken wrist that he will, uh, you know, he'll be out there in New England in the cold, uh, you know, getting after it. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Sam Hubbard's calf injury. I've heard conflicting reports. Tom Pellicero's putting out there that he's going to be out to the playoffs. I'm hearing from people internally that it's not that type of a calf injury uh, and hearing everything in between. I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is. You don't know. You don't know exactly uh, how it's going to respond until you go about the rehabilitation process and, and, and you, you, you try to push it a little bit. I will say, though, that even if you have a really uh, good rehab and you're ahead of schedule from a rehab standpoint, players want to play. Players can be their own worst enemy in that regard. That's when it's up to the team and, more importantly, the medical uh, staff to pull the reins, you know, pull the player back a little bit and say, look, you're, you, you might be able to play, but, man, the last thing you want to do is set yourself back for another month. How about if we take care of it for another week and then there's no question that you're able to play. So that that's the that's the balancing act. That's the dichotomy that goes on between players, medical staff, coaches, organization, everybody making the decision on whether to play or sit players. The Bengals historically and and uh, rightfully so have erred on the side of caution. They they want to make sure players are ready. 100% or as close to that as you can be physically before you go out there, you know, not the 85, 90% kind of thing. They, they want it as close to premium as they, as they can possibly get. And I admire that. Yeah. Friday, Saturday lows minus five minus one <laughs> where in, in, uh, right oh, here. here. Yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, it's going to be nicer. It's going to be warmer in, in, uh, in Foxborough than it is here, yeah. but we're already, the Bengals are leaving on Thursday. I just got notification. Uh, we were going to be traveling to Foxborough on Friday. Well, Friday's so bad with the potential snow and the temperatures and the freezing roads and all that. The team is departing on Thursday afternoon. We're getting out of Dodge. We're getting out of Dodge before the weather hits. Um, so that's good. You got to make sure you, you, by league rule, you have to get to the uh, city that you're traveling to as the opposing team 24 hours before kickoff. And that might have been dicey <laughs> leaving on Friday. So the Bengals are uh, in the league is probably supporting that or the league probably initiated it. And the Bengals said, that's fine with us. They're going to leave on Thursday afternoon. Yeah. And, and Yash is followed up with, you know, we talk about sitting starters and so forth and, and what these games mean. A second seed sets up at home, Ravens, Bills, Miami, Chargers, whoever, uh, where a third would be Bills away. Yeah, I mean, the you get a buy if you're the number one seed. Other than that, you know, everybody's got to everybody's got to get after it. Uh, and, and you know what? I have mixed feelings. I I hate bye weeks, particularly you know if you're playing well and you're on a roll like the Bengals are on. If they continue on that roll, uh, but you know, the the bye week obviously is helpful in terms of getting guys healthy and and avoiding any injury that uh, may add to the laundry list of injuries. And that, that's, that's a big key, I think, at this stage in the, for the football team is injuries. You know, broken bones. My granddad used to say, hey, drink your milk, son. Stronger bones, stronger teeth. Well, I hope the Bengals are taking their calcium pills, drinking milk or whatever, because we've had fractures. You know, you got um, broken wrist, broken hand. You have 
uh, a dislocated finger where the bone comes through the skin. You get all, all those kind of things. And then you have the soft tissue injuries like you always do with hamstrings and, and all that. And they've had multiple. It's been, it's been a tough stretch, but it hasn't been debilitating like it is for some franchises. Look at Baltimore. They lose Lamar Jackson. I mean, that, you can't have a worse injury than losing your star quarterback for a couple of games, and they've they've been able to survive it until Cleveland knocked them off. But uh, you uh, you don't want to lose. the The good news is they they've been able to avoid putting guys in injury reserve. Awuzie is the biggest. That's your best cover corner, Pro Bowl caliber guy. He's on injury reserve. But look what Luana Rumo and the defense did in this football game. Uh, that the Bengals just won down in Tampa Bay. Their best cover guy, Wuzier, not on the field. There are two pass rushers, Henderson and Hubbard, not in the field. Their slot corner, Mike Hilton, not in the field. Four very important positions, both your rushers, two your cover guys. What? Against Tom Brady? Against the GOAT? You got, you're down two of your best pass rushers. You're down two of your best cover guys. Brady turns it over four times, two interceptions, two lost fumbles. Pretty damn good. That's other guys stepping up, expanding their roles, being ready to play, and so ready that Lou Anarumo doesn't have to change any of the schematics. And they still go out there, step up, and win football games. They bring Alan George up off the practice squad, and, and he has to go because also Cam Taylor Britt during the course of that game goes down. You're down three corners. Two outside and your slot corner. You're down three corners in that football game. And your two best rush guys. And you beat the GOAT. Pretty good. Pretty awesome. damn good. Zach Hicks uh, goes, hey, an AFC championship game in Cincy would be incredible. Uh, you've experienced both those uh, AFC championship games uh, mm -hmm. several years. It, it, it makes this place crazy. Oh, it does. I mean, our I will say at RAFC championship game, <laughs> of course, it's uh, it's memorable because it was 59 below. It was minus nine raw temperature, and with the wind chill coming off the river, 59 below. And that house was packed, packed. And the weather was brutal. I mean, did it favor us? I guess a little bit. We didn't really want to play in 59 below either, though. San Diego wanted no part of it. But our crowd was crazy. And uh, a couple of guys, unfortunately, got too crazy. They took their tops off and everything, and they were dancing on the dugout with, uh, you know, bare-chested, bare and both of them lost their lives as a result of it. I mean, they, they went overboard. Uh, there were a couple of problem areas there, but the crowd was so supportive. It was nuts. I mean, it was huge, huge. Uh, the playoff win against the Buffalo Bills. Crowd was a massive factor. Playoff win in the AFC Championship game against the San Diego Chargers. The crowd was a massive factor. Playing at home in the playoffs, nothing better. All right, we're going to have to kind of speed this up here because we got some other questions and we're pushing time because uh, we got an interview set up. Yes. Right after we do this. And for Dolores, the keys, we got to record that today. Um, and also, if you had that chance, subscribe if you haven't subscribed to the channel yet and also hit the like button on all of our videos that helps us get out more to the algorithm of youtube to be noticed and more people find us and if you got friends who are Bengals fans make sure you tell them what we're doing we've been doing it now it'll be two years come april 
And uh, we thank everybody as we get closer to this new year for the support they've given us because it's been great. And, and the, the powers that be keep letting us do this every yeah. week. And, and and as it gets closer to the end of the year, last year was unbelievable. I mean, it was phenomenal. We were very fortunate that our growth tied into the growth of the football team going to the Super Bowl. And this year could happen again. This is the best time of the year for so many reasons. Love Thanksgiving, love Christmas, love the National Football League this time of the year, and love all you guys, man. It's all like one big celebration. All right. Gatekeepers 2 says, do you think Lou wants to be a head coach, though, or would he, he can be content staying here as a DC? Davey keeps saying he's going to hire you as his agent yeah. for every time we have him on, <laughs> but uh, there's only so many head coaching jobs in the NFL. It is a prestigious job to have. And because of the success he's had, we we really feel he's going to have a great opportunity after this season. And we don't want to see him go because we love him. Yeah. Well, but, uh, but, you know, it is what it is. But gatekeepers, too, you make a good point. I mean, it's easy for me to say, and other coaches would probably say the same thing, that have already experienced it, have been assistant coaches, coordinators, and then head coaches. Lou Anarumo, I think, has put himself in a position to be selective. If Lou Anarumo gets an interview – with a job that look, looks to be a dead end after a year or two, that they're not in very good shape. Uh, they don't have a very good gen general manager. The team's not put together well. There's not real good organizational support. I mean, it might be better to not jump at the first opportunity if it's not the right opportunity. Stay here, have another run, do it again. And now you have your pick of the litter. He might have his pick of the litter already. And if that's the case, God bless you, Lou. It's well-earned, well-deserved. But if it's like an opportunity that you're not sure about and you wish maybe somebody else would interview you, wait and see. Maybe that person will interview you. If they don't, stay here. If the other team fills that position, if somebody else wants to jump at it, you're a damn good coach. You're a good enough football coach to weigh your options. I don't think, you know, the first thing that crops up, if it's not the best thing, you don't have to take it. You don't have to take that, that opportunity. You've got, you've put yourself in a position to be selective and it's not bad. If you end up being back here in Cincinnati as a defensive quarter coordinator of this football team with the players that you've got in place here and that you've developed and groomed and they fit you and you fit them so well, I mean, the respect level, the trust level, everything is superior. Not a bad situation to be in. P. Crawley, 513. Hi, Dave. With all the injuries at the cornerback position, do you see the Rass signing someone off the streets? Thanks for your time. Hard thing to do this late in the year. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, they, Alan George, they brought up from the practice squad. They'll bring him up again. He's still got moves that they can uh, move him up and down. I think he's got another one. Um, and, and the thing is, like we've talked about through this whole podcast, uh, this live stream, and what we've talked about all year long and earlier today and every day, Luana Rumo's schematic is not cookie cutter. It's sophisticated. Picking a guy up off the street, all of a sudden it's like, now we can't do everything we want to do because he doesn't know it. Alan George has been practicing with the football team the whole year. Alan George knows the intricacies in and out of what Lou Anarumo is doing. He's a very intelligent guy, graduated from Vanderbilt, played football down at Vanderbilt. That's that's perfect. You don't bring a guy off the street 
and ask him to, all right, boy, okay, study up. And uh, I trust that you're going to be able to handle everything that these guys are handling as we've uh, introduced it to them over an entire football season. And they're smart enough to get it, but I'm not throwing it all at them in week one. It's over a long period of time. And you're expecting to be able to pick up a guy off the street and cram it into two days, four days, whatever days with a guy. I'm not saying it can't be done. I mean, look what Baker Mayfield did. He showed up on Tuesday and started on Thursday and won a game in the National Football League for the Rams. I mean, you know, there's only so many things you can do. They call it different things. You have to unlearn and relearn terminology. But if you can avoid doing that at corner, I'd avoid it. And if you have an Alan George uh, there, and like I said, in, in, in my opinion, Hilton's playing. Hilton's playing slot corner. Uh, in this football game, it, w- it would stun me if he's not playing in New England in the slot corner position. And uh, now Cam Taylor Britt, his deal, he's got a neck problem. If it's a stinger, it's a problem. If it's a pinched nerve, it's a bigger problem. I've had them both. They're different. <laughs> they both are painful, but a pinched nerve is much more of a problem to deal with than a stinger. We'll see what he's got. Um, and, you know, the arm is numb in both cases and all that, but the pinched nerve of the arm is number for a longer period of time for more of the arm. I can tell, I can tell you that as well. So see about, uh, see about him. Boy, we, we have so many great questions that we're not going to get to today. We apologize. Wish we had more time, but we did have a guest schedule. Um, they, you know, the talk of Lou or Brian, both possibly getting head coaching jobs, um, we'll leave a lot of people speculating. How, how do you replace these guys? They've done such a great job. We don't even want to speculate that right now. We got we got weeks to go. We'll cover that probably in a future live stream. Well, there there are there are guys on the staff that you know could step up and 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 uh, be promoted from within, and that would be a strong consideration. Um, but you don't know you don't know who's going to be let go from what staff. You don't know what staff is turning over because the coach got fired and. Um, you know, even teams that are struggling still have pretty good coordinators uh, to evaluate and, and go through that entire process. And maybe we can take a couple more, Dave. I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think we're good with Jimmy. Okay. <laughs> He's he'll be, he'll be cool. I think. Or what time we got here? I got, I, I got one twenty. That's what my watch says. One nineteen. Let's go with this one. All right. Zachary Murray. Hi lap. Can you dive in more on Volson? He's such a great kid, really going to be around. And we love having him on in the trenches the couple of times we've had him. And yep. you get to see him even more. Cordell Volson is a big man. He is a big-bodied kid. There are no two ways about it. I'll give you his dimensions as they're listed uh, on the uh, on the flip card. Just go stand in a door, and when you don't see any spacing, yeah. that's, that's, that's Cordell Volson. If, if there's no light around that door, um, and the, you know, it, it, it's all just dark because the, a guy like Cordell Volson is, is, uh, is filling that space six, six, every bit of it. I'm thinking between six, six and six, seven, three fifteen. every bit of it. I'm thinking he might even be a little bigger, big, long, strong. He's one of those guys, like Dave said, in the door, it's an eclipse. There's not very much sun coming around it. And if you see him walking toward you in a room, from a distance, like, that looks like it might be a big dude. The closer he gets, oh, that's a big dude. And the thing about him, he's athletic. He can move. Watch a tape uh, 
I'm trying to think of the game. When Joe Mixon had his three touchdown receptions, watch the screen where Volson's out in space, running in front of, of uh, Samaje Pirine, readjusting his big body to a smaller defensive back and covering him up and knocking him off the football field for Samaje to score a touchdown. This guy is not a stiff. I mean, he's a big, strong, long, athletic guy uh, that is made of the right stuff, very intelligent, um, is coachable, wants to be coached hard. His teammates love him. He asks veterans for help. He asks great questions. He's going to be around a long time. They hit a grand slam, not just a home run. They hit a grand slam in the fourth round when they selected Cordell Wilson. Dave, you know, I've evaluated high school players for over 20 years. He's the type of kid in high school that I tell high school kids, hey, become an offensive lineman. They're high school tight ends, defensive linemen, whatever, but they have those skinny ankles. They're athletic. They got some quick twitch to them, but they're not going to be that at that next level. Right. And he accepted that and became a high-level offensive lineman. And it's just those are the type of guys I love to evaluate. Well, he's a guy that um... – North Dakota State was his best offer. He didn't get a whole lot of offers. Yep. He came out of high school. A lot of guys, and you know this, Dave, uh, over your decades of experience, guys mature at different levels, at different rates. My son coming out of high school was half the man that he is now as a you know a guy that's in his 40s. Guys, some, kid, some kids mature. I mean, when I was in high school, I had a teammate that was shaving every day. And we graduated high school. He was six feet. 200 pounds. I saw him graduated from college, still six feet, 200 pounds. Other guys blow by, you know, it's like every, everybody develops, grows, develops at different times in their lives. And Cordell Volson did a lot of growing and maturing and all that after high school and schools missed out on this kid. Went to North Dakota state. He was there six years, six years. And I mean, he, he won national championships, won conference championships, a five-time starter for crying out loud. I mean, it, it, it was ridiculous what he did at North Dakota State. So um, the Bengals are feel very fortunate, very blessed to have Cordell Volson because he's a winner. He knows what it takes. He's cut from the right cloth. Player, period. Bottom line, player. Yeah, it's like the kid. It was everyone seen all the stories probably over the weekend where this 12-year-old kid who's got a mustache, yeah. tattoos, dominating 12-year-olds. Right. And I go... He's done. Yeah, he's he's not he's not going to develop anymore. What you see at twelve years old is what you're going to get at eighteen. Absolutely. And you're going to have some kid who's twelve is going to develop into the next Cook or whoever top level player, Joe Mixon or whoever. Well, you see you see a kid that is is doing well, and uh, he might not be like all state first team this and that, but he's competing with people, and he doesn't even shave yet. Peach fuzz. That's the kid I'm going to go and watch. I mean, he's he's got miles to go before he peaks, and these others, that's as good as it's going to get. They're going to decline. They've peaked, and they might be on the downside because others are going to blow by them. This might be the hardest question of the day. How can I become an employee of First Star? It's very easy. <laughs> yeah. Go to firststarlogistics.com. They have a tab there about careers. Yep. And just follow what they, they, they ask you there and contact them. And, Robert, they train people. They don't just throw you to the wolves. They bring you in. They train you. It's like you're drafted. Now they develop you, and they develop you into a great player, Robert. Take advantage. But I can tell you, you better be enthusiastic. Mm -hmm. You better have 
a great work ethic. Be accountable. Be reliable. Yeah. Accountability, reliability, responsibility. Those three abilities are big, Robert. If you're accountable, reliable, responsible, you'll make it. All right, Dave. We're at 125. Um, I'm looking here. Uh, hey, Cliff says he's good at making popcorn. We don't know who makes it, but it's good. Dave's got his little thing. He's, yeah. already, he's already had a whole container today. There you go. Popcorn, just like the movies. Hey, it's big. Big. Uh, thanks, Dolores. Hit the like button. We appreciate that. Again, we want to thank everybody. Um, yeah, Zach Hicks, love the fact players have stepped up when someone goes down, need everyone as close to 100% as possible for the playoff run. We totally agree. Yeah, and, and honestly, uh, I was talking to Zach Taylor a little bit last week uh, about this, and I said, boy, you've, you guys have done such a great job of targeting players that not only have the physical talent, but have the mental talent to be able to absorb everything that you're teaching and installing and executed at a high level because of the physical abilities. He goes, that's what uh, McVeigh did in the, with the Rams offensively. I was part of that pat process with the Rams, and we had players that could play multiple positions, just like the, all the Bengals wide receivers can line up anywhere. That's what they were doing with the Rams. They, were, they had players that could line up in a bunch of different positions and do it well. He said, I wanted to do that offensively and defensively. He said, I knew from coaching with Luana Rumo that, that his mindset would fit that, and he'd be able to develop that type of thing, multiple players playing multiple positions on the defense side of the football, and it has paid off huge. I can tell you, though, back in 1974, Paul Brown in 1974 said to me, okay, you're going to be tested on your assignments. Here's your assignments your grade is going to be in the upper left-hand corner. The grade of all the linemen is going to be in the upper right-hand corner. I want you to know what everybody's doing, not just what you're doing. I want to know if you pull. Is the center reaching? Is the tackle blocking down? Is the fullback filling? What's going on around you? And he gave me two grades, not just my stuff. He wanted me to know what the entire line was doing as a rookie. Then, as I advanced, he goes, left hand is going to be the entire offensive line's grade. The right is going to be the entire offense. I want you to know what everybody's doing. This is back in 1974. And as a result of that, two different games in one season, I played all five offensive line positions in the same game, two different times. I don't think that that's been done. And why was I able to do it? Indoctrinated by Paul Brown as a rookie to see the big picture, not just tunnel vision on one position, one player. Makes a big difference. All right, Dave. It's one twenty-eight. We we have to. We got to go. We got. We go. apologize. We didn't get to everybody's questions. We appreciate you. Happy with holidays, us. everybody. Exactly. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Thank you for. You know, we're going to be back again next week. I don't know if we'll be doing a live stream, but it depends on the scheduling and so forth. But yeah. we're going to try to do maybe we'll try to do one before the end of the year. Um, for everybody at First Star Logistics, for Dave and myself, uh, we can't thank you enough. Again, hit the like button if you haven't done so. Subscribe. Tell people. Help us keep growing this channel and. And, and getting the word out. And again, thanks to First Star Logistics for everything they do because they make this so enjoyable to come in and do every week that we love doing it. And trust me, you're looking at on camera, the hardest working man in the NFL, as far as my <laughs> opinion. I don't know how he does it, but uh, he does. And he's always great to be here. And he has the, a great attitude. And I appreciate everything he's done for me over the course of almost two years. So 
Appreciate um, you, Dave. Appreciate your work ethic and all the abilities we talk about, accountability, reliability, responsibility. That is Dave Burke in, in spades. Um, and uh, yeah, it's this is it's a privilege to be here with First Star Logistics and particularly at the holiday season, no doubt. All righty. Thank you, everybody. Have a good, happy holidays. Dave Lapham here, and every day I am grateful for my experience to have played professional football. As a player, I realize self-motivation, leadership, and appreciating your teammates are key. At First Star Logistics, you can use those same attributes to create the life you want for you and your family. Build your future by working hard like I did. You'll see results both on and off the field. Call First Star Logistics today and be part of our winning team.